Hi everyone, it's Mike Wong here. It is midnight on Wednesday. Well, no, I guess now it's Thursday. Thursday, March 26th. Yeah. Wow. It's hard to tell what day is what when you're socially distancing yourself and self-isolating and working from home. But yes, it is now a Thursday, and that means that Star Trek Picard is about to come out. It's the season finale of season one of Star Trek Picard, and I've got my bingo sheet, my Picard bingo sheet, right out in front of me. Honestly, this season has not gone the way I thought it would in terms of bingo. I am nowhere near bingo. My closest is having two in a row, and since this is a 5x5 five five bingo, I need a basically near miracle. Uh, first of all, I haven't crossed out very much on this bingo sheet. Most of it is still empty. Um, and like I said, I've got two in a row here with Romulan Ale and Someone is Vaporized, both checked off. In order to get bingo, I need the other three in this row, which is Beverly Crusher Appears, Spock's Disappearance is Referenced, and finally, somebody actually says that Picard is suffering from Eromotic Syndrome. That's been hinted at, but nobody's actually said the words Eromotic Syndrome yet. So I think that's probably the one that is most likely, and then uh, Beverly Crusher appearing, and then probably Spock's disappearance being referenced. I can't imagine why they would reference that at this late stage in the season, but we're about to find out. So I'm going to press play on the season one finale of Star Trek Picard, and just hope for the best. Here we go. Hey there, retired admirals, Jatvash agents, and organic synths. Welcome back to another episode of Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. My name is Mike Wong. Today, we're recapping the first season of Star Trek Picard through the Picard bingo game that my friends and I played the past 10 weeks or so. First of all, spoiler alert, if you haven't yet seen Star Trek Picard all the way through, make sure you do that before proceeding any further. Now, if you have seen Picard all the way through, then you probably know that I did not fare very well in terms of bingo. Luckily, my friends Dr. Peter Gao and Dr. James T. Keen did a wee bit better. So, I contacted them over subspace communications to learn more about their thoughts on Picard and the exciting new scientific journeys that they've each begun. Thanks for joining me again to recap another exciting season of Star Trek. Um, but first, there's some exciting news in both of your lives. I heard that you both just recently got new exciting jobs so if you could describe your new positions and uh, maybe say what you're most looking forward to about them. I recently accepted an offer to become a NASA Sagan fellow at the University of California Santa Cruz so it is a postdoc position it's a three-year position and I will have the freedom to do whatever research I want and work with whoever I want at Santa Cruz. 
UC Santa Cruz as a very large group working on planetary and exoplanet atmospheres, which is my focus. And so I really look forward to collaborating with a lot of people there, many of whom I'm already collaborating with. It's a smorgasbord of uh, exoplanet goodness. So very excited. That sounds really exciting and uh, a perfect place for someone like you to be. Can you take one step back, though, and um, remind everybody what the Sagan Fellowship is? Yes. <laughs> Good question. So, um, gosh, how, do you, how, how, how would I expect it? So I guess... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say it's one of the most prestigious fellowships that people can get in planetary science. Yep, James is right, and Peter is just being humble. The Sagan Fellowship is one of a handful of prestigious competitive research fellowships run by NASA that early career scientists apply to annually, trying to make their best case that their research will help answer fundamental questions about the universe. And so the one that the Sagan Fellowship tries to answer is, are we alone? Are we alone in the universe? And it's named after the one and only Carl Sagan. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I missed well, that. I missed that, that detail. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Peter. That's wonderful news. And, and James, you just started a new position too. Yes, I was just recently hired as a scientist at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, or JPL. And so this is a permanent position, which is kind of scary to say. It's scary to say because for most of our careers, for most of our academic careers, we spend time trying to find a permanent position, be it in industry or at a lab or in academia as a professor. So it's just kind of scary to have reached that point. But I am a scientist in the small bodies group. So that means that I was hired in principle to study the small bodies of the solar system, which includes asteroids, comets, and Kuiper Belt objects, the things that aren't quite big enough to be moons or planets. But thankfully, the, the research position is really quite broad, and I plan on continuing all sorts of different research on solar system objects, including our moon and icy bodies, as well as small bodies. So the thing I think I'm most excited for is is really just to be at JPL. JPL is kind of a special place in all of planetary science and even within NASA. It is the predominant lab behind all of the robotic missions that NASA sends out to the solar system. So everything from the Mars rovers to the Dawn mission to asteroids or the Psyche mission or Europa Clipper to Jupiter and its large moon Europa, there's people working on everything there, and it's a really large lab with several thousand people, mostly engineers and some scientists, all trying to work towards understanding and exploring our solar system. So it's a really exciting place to be. It's a very different environment to be working in than where I was previously, which was Caltech or University of Arizona before. Academia is very different than this style of institution. So it comes with a bunch of pros and cons. Now I'm working as a contractor for the government. So I have to get background clearances and all sorts of fun things, but it comes with a lot of fun perks along the way. Yeah, there's certainly a real buzz to the atmosphere around JPL. I guess it's like a little bit of a cross between like a Starfleet Academy type place, but then also walking into Utopia Planitia fleet yards or something like that. 
that's really exciting. James. Not as many uniforms. No, <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll spot. Or actually, you're the one who's probably bringing the uniforms to to lab. <laughs> I wear a badge almost. Every, well, I wear now two badges every day: my JPL badge <laughs> and my Starfleet badge. Awesome. All right, um, we're gonna jump right into summarizing our bingo sheets, and uh, I have my bingo sheet right here. And awesome. uh, I thought can we I, should before we go through them. Oh yeah, actually. I have prizes. Oh. Oh my god. So thanks to Eagle Moss, I have some extra starships. And I mean, I already have all the starships. All the starships. starships. But I figure between you two, maybe whoever gets the most can like pick first and then I can you can each have some a starship or two. Thank you, James. Quick rundown of the options. They're all from Discovery. A shuttlecraft. Mm. Okay. Nice. And you can repaint it and it can be from Picard. <laughs> or a school bus. Oh, oh that's the uh, section L- 31. Section. The section 31 stealth ship from Discovery's second season. Oh, oh right, right, right. Brand new one. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. shoot. <laughs> James holds up a Klingon D7 battlecruiser. Yes. That's awesome. And then the PSD resistance. And last but not least, the ISS Charon from the Mirror Universe. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh man. And it lights up too, right? And it lights up. <laughs> Holy crap. Brilliant. Okay. Capital ship. Sorry for interrupting. But no worries. That's, no, that's, uh, perfect. that's a very important interruption. Yeah, <laughs> let's get into. Uh, now that I, I mean, raised the stakes, now that you raised the stakes, <laughs> I feel like I should go first uh, because I'm pretty sure that I lost to both Peter and yourself, James. So let me go ahead and summarize my bingo sheet. I um, I have a lot of empty squares. In fact, the farthest that I got towards getting bingo, and to remind everybody, this is a five by five bingo sheet, is two in a row, and I had two two in a rows, so uh, that's not fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I had a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, six squares. Uh, Romulan ale, red alert, someone is vaporized, shields up, resistance is futile, and Bruce Maddox appears. Um, and honestly, just to make myself feel better, I'm going to uh, cross off another one. I'm going to cross off positronic brains because they did say positronic neurons. And I know that's not the same thing as a brain, but brains are made of neurons. So I feel like that's close enough. And I just want to cross off another one. (laughs) I think we should err on some flexibility. Yeah. There, it's struck off. And now that's my third two in a row. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm nowhere, I'm nowhere close. Maybe somebody else should uh, should go on. So you had seven total then? I had seven total, yes. All right. So I will say that I did uh, slightly better than that. Uh, I did not get bingo, though. Uh, I got close. I think I have a couple of fours this way and that. And let's see how many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven without the center square. And so these are uh, Make It So, which I just crossed off, thanks to the finale. Uh, Nanoprobes, mentioned a couple of times. Holodeck Scene, On Screen, which I think was the previous episode. T Earl Grey Hot, which happened many times. Uh, The Vulcan Mind Melt was used, but not by a Vulcan. Uh, Main character from TOS is mentioned or referenced. Yes, Dodge is an android, which honestly, I didn't kind of came out of nowhere, but is the whole plot of the entire show. Uh, the USS Stargazer appears, and I made sure, I think when we, when we uh, went through this the first time, I made sure to stipulate that models do count. 
And that's where we saw it. It was a model. Someone is killed by exposure to space. Uh, yeah, there were lots of someones. And then, I don't know if this counts. I think it should, but Picard dies briefly, but is resuscitated, which did happen in the finale to an extent, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd count I mean, that. He, he dies. Yeah. yeah. His body didn't get resuscitated, but his brain did, I guess. I'm so surprised that actually happened. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so I did better than Mike, but not by much. I got eight total. I was really close to a bingo if only Riker did his signature Riker maneuver by stepping <laughs> over the chair. Wow. Um, so the ones I got was a Romulan ship cloaks or decloaks. Someone calls 709 Annika. View screens are windows and not monitors. Joel on true. We see a Bolian. If you count the red hologram Bolian that we see when they visit the Las Vegas planet. Totally. Huh. Um, <laughs> I missed that. Discovery era ship appears, which I counted the Disco Prize hologram. And each ship dies. And this one very, is... Very graphically. <laughs> yeah. This one is... Um, we can debate about... I filled this one in today from the finale. Someone in Picard's crew dies, and I did dot, 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 Picard? Question mark. I don't know if this counts or not. If not, then I would be tied for Mike. Yeah, I, I think I think that should count. Yeah, it he's counts. part of his own he, crew. He dies. <laughs> he comes back, but he does die. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. come back. An android comes back. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> you can uh, have that go- debate alongside your does transporters kill people? Mm, yes, <laughs> transporters definitely kill people. And um, yes, <laughs> Picard is definitely an android now. Okay, so what was one thing that you checked off that you were super proud of or super excited about or just like elated when it happened? I wasn't elated when it happened, but I was elated that I got to check off Egypt has died. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. <laughs> I, sur- I was very surprised that that had happened, let alone like graphically on the screen. Like we actually <laughs> saw it happen. I was not expecting that. I thought, I thought either him or Chakotay would have died like off screen or something. But yeah, not like that. So not ecstatic, but I was, I was, uh, I don't know the, the right verb or adjective to describe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Closing yeah. my eyes. That's, that's what I did. It's very rare that Star Trek gets so gory that I have to close my eyes. Now, I'm not a fan of horror movies or extra gory scenes. And honestly, it disturbed me that there was such a gory scene in Star Trek, firstly because I think of Star Trek as a family-friendly show. I've been watching Trek since I was four, and while I certainly wasn't yet old enough then to appreciate all of the complexity and nuances of the dilemmas that the crew faced, there was nothing in Star Trek that my parents felt should bar me from watching the show. Secondly, I don't think that Seven of Nine's motivations as a Fenris ranger would have been hurt by the absence of such gore. Throughout Picard, Borg individuals were portrayed as the victims that they are, instead of the mindless monsters or techno-zombies like they were in previous treks. That was something that I really loved about the show, having my view of the Borg change alongside Jean-Luc Picard's, whose views evolved too. So I think that Seven's drive to, quote, help those who have no one else to help 
would still land with the audience, even if Ichep had died off-screen or just in a less gruesome way. Okay, on to Peter's favorite bingo checkmark. So actually, I would say the Picard dies briefly one because, um, so I had put that in into our master list way back when, and it was sort of just kind of a reference to, to Tapestry. Quick reminder, Tapestry is the episode of The Next Generation where Picard dies and meets Q in the afterlife. Q then gives Picard the chance to change a crucial moment in Jean-Luc's youth. It's one of my favorite TNG episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, why not? And actually, I was surprised it actually came about. I was really surprised at how Red Alert got checked off. Um, I think when we went around picking squares, when I picked Red Alert for one of my squares, one of you made the comment, oh, that's not going to happen because they're not on a Starfleet ship. Nobody's going to order a Red Alert because Rios will just, you know, if there's a Red Alert, he'll just throw up the shields of his own ship. And you guys were right. Nobody said Red Alert on a ship, but Riker said Red Alert because he had a burnt tomato Red Alert. And I was just like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) Red Alert. (laughs) Let's go to the squares that we were not able to check off. Was there one thing that is just like a gaping hole in your Star Trek Picard bingo sheet that you really, really wish would have happened this season? So, yes. I'm going to say two. One, and I'm going to rewatch the season to see if I might be able to actually check this off. I had a box that some real astronomy or planetary data set other than Mars is seen, and I didn't catch one. It's entirely possible that there was one and I just didn't see it. So that's no, that's impossible. You would have seen it because <laughs> you're you. <laughs> Starships and data sets. Those are <laughs> see, the other one that I was really hoping for was number one saves the day, meaning Picard's dog. And I was disappointed by the lack of Picard's dog throughout the rest of the season. And he did not get to mm. save the day. So, alas. Yeah. Maybe next season. Is he going to be able to smell that it's a different Picard when Picard visits him? Oh, that would be really cool. Oh, yeah. A new Picard smell. <laughs> Peter, what's a hole in your bingo sheet? <laughs> oh, facepalm. I'm actually not entirely convinced that it did not appear. I feel like it did, and I just missed it. But I don't remember seeing one. Uh, no, I would have gotten bingo. You would have yeah. gotten bingo with facepalm? yeah. I guess things were just not, I mean, things were going badly, but just not facepalm badly, you know. <laughs> Never mind that, you know, he was dying and they were going to introduce uh, an omnipotent robot race is going to come. But no, that wasn't bad enough for a facepalm, unfortunately. I'm surprised Admiral, <laughs> I'm surprised Admiral Clancy didn't facepalm at Picard. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. See, that's the thing. I didn't, I didn't watch for other people facepalming, so it's totally possible it happened. I don't recall um, any, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My one thing that I wish I could check off is Beverly Crusher appearing. I, okay, at the risk of sounding a little bit negative about the show, which I definitely love as a whole, I thought it would have been a much more satisfying ending if Beverly warped in with that giant Federation fleet, saved the day against the Romulans, and then also got to apply her brilliant medical skills at saving Picard from, uh, from whatever he had. Um, <laughs> we don't actually know what Picard had. Uh, and that was one of my bingo uh, squares too, that Picard is suffering specifically from Uromotic syndrome from all good things and didn't get to check that off because we don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I thought that that would have been a, a better way to save Picard than 
transferring his neural patterns into our, an organic synth. Because honestly, that left me with the same kind of weird aftertaste that Star Trek Into Darkness did when they revived Kirk using the magic con blood. And it feels a little bit like cheating, first of all, but then it also opens up this like whole ethical dilemma because you now have introduced a technology by which no one in the Federation ever needs to die anymore. And so I feel like that has to have some kind of profound impact on Federation society, but it wasn't explored at all because it happened at the very end of the show. So still have a little weird aftertaste from the finale, uh, from, from that plot twist. But uh, other than that, I, I really loved the show. Yeah, I I really was hoping for Beverly to be in command of that fleet at the end. I think I had talked to you about this before, but throughout the season, she is the one character from the Next Generation series, other than Wesley, I guess. I guess the Crushers in general are not referenced. He name drops Jordy, Worf. You obviously see Troy, Data, and Riker, but no Crushers. That's very disappointing. Maybe they'll come back in season two. Specifically Beverly. I want Beverly. I want her to be on, on the flagship of Federation, and I want her to blow up some Romulans or something. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, what was your favorite scientific theme or science-related event or science name drop from season one? There weren't a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, compared to Discovery, it was a little bit light on the, on the science references. It was very much focused on Picard's personal journey. But there was one there was one thing that stood out. I was thinking about it looking back, but yeah, like James said, I didn't really think of too much uh, except for one. And so it's the one where they talked about the eight star system. That was mine too. Oh, is it is this all of ours? <laughs> that, that's a good that's a really good one. This uh, this caught my eye while I was surveilling the cube. All these Romulans sitting around drawing this over and over. Eight circles, see? Could those be planets? Looks like an attempt to depict an octonary. A what now? A planetary system with eight component stars. Yeah, so that was fun. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the diagram that they came up with, which was just concentric circles, uh, looked really wacky at first. But then I Googled one of the star systems they mentioned. New, uh, what was it? New Scorpy. This is New Scorpy. A septenary system, which are extremely rare, but... It's real, which is cool. Uh, it's a seven-star system, and the orbits are just as funky as the, uh, you know, grief planet that they had. And it's like a triple-star system orbiting a single star, and the whole thing is orbiting another triple-star system. Or so some ridiculous configuration that somehow exists. But it's totally real. And then the other one, which they didn't mention, there's only two seven star systems and the other one is ar casio pay something like the casio p casio pia but it's like e-i-a-e so it's like some jumble of vowels hey we have phds in planetary science not greek pronunciation uh but yeah these are the only two seven star systems and there are no eight star systems in the real world as we well we haven't found any anyway so that was cool. They showed an orbital diagram and as, as I guess, resident dynamicist in this group, very clearly not a dynamically stable system. An octonary. The gravitational mechanics would have to be incredibly complex. Which if they didn't 
then immediately say that this has to be artificially constructed, I would have been very mad at. But by them saying that some higher order of life had to like rearrange these stars to make this thing, that was immediately much more interesting, I thought. So just to remind the audience, uh, basically one mystery in the plot that gets revealed very late in the season is that this ancient race of beings who developed very advanced synthetics left behind the story of what happened after they developed those synthetics, which was that something came to the Milky Way galaxy and tried to eradicate all organics. Uh, And so the way that they left this message, they left a beacon, which was they constructed this eight star system Our foremothers came to this system looking for an answer to the riddle of the eightfold stars. What they found was a storehouse of preserved memories that showed them the grim fate of the civilization that perished here long ago. We still do not know the name of the mighty race who left behind this object this admonition, warning us of the horror and annihilation that came from the skies. When our foremothers first endured the admonition, we, the Jatvash, were born. And I thought that was very interesting from a perspective of when you go out there and you look for life, we don't really know what extraterrestrial life new life, new civilizations will look like, but we do know that they will leave unexpected markings. And whether that's a network of organic compounds that shouldn't persist on its own, or a network of eight stars doing this cosmic dance that shouldn't persist on its own, that's a classic biosignature. And so exploration is really all about looking for those surprises. And I loved that that was embedded in Star Trek Picard. We are running out of time, so is there anything else that you just absolutely need to say about Star Trek Picard season one or the finale that we just watched? I am very curious to see where they're going to go with season two. I'm actually kind of surprised how much they wrapped up in this one season. And the only thing we know about season two, as far as I'm aware, is that Guinan is going to show up at some point. (laughs) Other than that... Who knows? we'll We'll find out in probably two years (laughs) like james said they wrapped up quite a bit and i kind of okay i'm kind of lifting this off of the trek movie review which i just read uh which was really insightful in that season one of picard was basically a response to star trek nemesis and how there data died fairly unceremoniously and fairly suddenly whereas here he got a ceremony he got to essentially grow old in that last couple of seconds of his life, which I think is what the character deserved. Yeah, it's very nice that, you know, they got through Picard's guilt and they gave Data the ending that he needed. And so now we can move on to the next adventure and Picard sort of healed a bit. Uh, and let's see where he goes now. Mm-hmm. The, the search for Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, The adventure continues, um, but the next adventure that we will get of live-action Star Trek is not Picard Season 2, but Star Trek Discovery Season 3. So I didn't give you this question pre-planned because I wanted your gut reaction. Give me one bold prediction about Star Trek Discovery Season (laughs) 3. My prediction Mm. is that um, 
they haven't shown all that much. And the things I think I'm going to predict are, I think are things you could see in the trailer. Like I think the Federation is going to be the bad guy. I also think that Burnham is going to come out of this wormhole time warp thing a year or more ahead of discovery. Like she's going to have to wait for the discovery to show up. Ooh, that's a good one. And she's going to grow some braids <laughs> while waiting <laughs> for the discovery. Um, I'm going to make a really bold prediction. Andoria blows up. Andoria blows up. Okay. <laughs> uh, mine will be that Saru dies. No! I know. I don't want it to happen. But bold prediction. That was doctors James T. Keene and Peter Gao helping me recap season one of Star Trek Picard. Congrats again to both of them for their shiny new jobs. I'm so proud to know such incredible, inspiring people. I also thought it was perfect how we all converged upon the same favorite sciencey tidbit, that octanary star system from the episode Broken Pieces. Several science writers have also remarked on this star system's plausibility, and I'll put links to their articles in the show notes. If you thought we missed something crucial in our recap of Star Trek Picard Season 1, you can always tweet at me at MikeY, that's M-I-Q-U-A-I, and while you're at it, follow James at JTuttleKeen and Peter at PlanetaryGal. Even though there's now a pause in new Star Trek, there's still plenty to talk about from the first season of Picard. From supernovae, to Mars being on fire, to real-life advances in artificial and synthetic life. So stay safe, stay tuned, and I'll see you out there. P.S. Peter chose the ISS Charon and the Disco Shuttle, and I got the stealth ship and the D7. Thanks again, James.